weird fucking guys. You're doing a manly thing and you're a fucking dork. I got my lightsaber wearing my Pokemon hat today. <laughs> wow, you're a real renaissance man, you know that? Goddamn man child. What a fucking dork. Yeah. But he's our dork. children. See, that's why the disclaimer's on. That's actually my daughter. That's why we say it's not for children. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Chris. I'm John. And we have a guest today, a a gentleman that I actually, uh, uh, what did I do? I randomly walked into your, your place of business and was like, hey, I'm a guy that builds not nearly as cool car as what you do, but I'm trying. You which, know? Which I thought was cool. Yeah. I thought it was cool that you went out of your way to come by and, like, meet me and stuff, you know? So I do have to ask, because you, you, like, right off, you looked up and you were like, oh, hey, man, I heard about you. Yeah, I heard good things. And I was like, from who? <laughs> <laughs> Same way you found me, man, the internet. Yeah, yeah. That's how more, uh, that's, so the internet is, like, more, uh, more commonly how people meet than anywhere else now because people yep. don't talk to each other anymore in real life dude it's <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy so anyway today we have jay lyons uh you're a local car enthusiast you actually grew up with my younger brother uh which i was kind of pleasantly surprised to hear about which kind of like when i think about the way your personality is and his i can i could see you guys hanging out you're very mild-mannered people you're not I've always been very eccentric, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I, could, I could see that, you know, but um, you and I had a great conversation in your shop and uh, I was fascinated, man. You, you, you told me some things about like, uh, I was particularly interested in the way you started your business. You said that, I think if I recall correctly, you said I was either going to fly to California, move out there and live out there or take the money that all the money I had left and put a deposit on a shop and start a business. And you, I think yeah. that's the route you went. Yeah, I had like five grand set aside that I'd been saving up um, to go away. And I was like, the, uh, I took I took that money and I went and got a, uh, is that better? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I had like five grand that I had set aside. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go put a deposit on it little shop over in Lansdowne and then uh, I bought like a compressor and a lift and I and I built this homemade paint booth in this like building that I shared with a landscaper <laughs> and it worked man it worked you so know? you're you're painting cars while he's pulling in like leaf blowers and like lawnmowers covered in grass and stuff and yeah pray to god he didn't bring his follicles into your paint you know yeah, yeah. so but the rent was cheap and it was like hidden so i could be there all like dude i would be in there till like midnight you know one in the morning just working doing whatever and uh yeah it worked i always knew that like that this isn't it you know i mean this is all temporary and i never really like, took any money from that right so whatever money i made i just like stash it, it reinvest it you know what i mean i'm like this is not my money hmm. you know and then once I got out of there, just grow and grow and grow and grow. And now it's 
you know, now we're here. Doing well. Yeah. I'm amazed, man, because honestly, I personally had to make so many big, dumb, crazy mistakes. Like, I'm always fascinated when I meet people like you. I think my wife is kind of like you, where, like, you had direction at a young age. Like, you you had, like, this focus of, like, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to work in this direction. And, dude, I've... I would say I, I spent 10 years of my adult life just banging my head against the wall trying to figure out what am I going to do, you know? So, like, so kudos to you. I think that's, first of all, that's pretty awesome, you know? Hey, thanks. Well, it's, uh, when, <laughs> when, uh, so, like I said, we grew up in Darby. My mom had four kids by 21, you know what I mean? So, like, I grew up with, like, very, very, very young parents. Okay. And a big part of how they parented was figure it out, you know, yeah. Every, yeah. figure it out or I don't have it to give you, you know, or whatever. So once I was like, I used to like collect cans and newspapers and recycle them for money when I was a kid. Right. And then uh, once I realized that uh, of all the things, hey, mom, can I have this or dad, can we get this? Oh, I can't afford it or no, or we don't have it. All I have to do is just go out and do this thing, and that's going to give me the money that I need to go yeah, buy. You got to grind a little bit, and it'll, and it'll come. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's it's so simple. Like, yeah, it's so simple. All I have to do is just like do this labor, and it, I'm going to be able to buy this thing that I want. And it created a monster, you know. And like, uh, like I, I when I was 14, I lied on my. Uh, my friend's mom worked at the McDonald's down here on 420 that when it first opened up. That's crazy. I was working there then. I worked there. Yeah, I worked there for like uh, almost two years. Really? Yeah. I helped open that store. Yeah, so did I. Really? Yeah, yeah. But you, I don't know, you're a little older than me. Like yeah. I, I was 14 and I'm 39 now. Yeah. So I don't know what that translates to. I was like 16, but I knew... I knew the owner because I worked at the one on McDade and he also owned the one in Tenecum mm. and he owned that store and he eventually was like gathering a team up of people that was going to help open that store. So, so like, uh, when I worked there, the guy, the Todd was the manager. Yep. I yeah. know Todd. Yeah. yeah. And his little brother, Mike. Yeah. And yeah. I used to, uh, I will plead the fifth, but Mike created artwork in the city of Philadelphia. It may or may not have been illegal artwork, and I may or may not have learned from him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to, so I, I started working there, and then I used to leave there, right? And I would get the morning shift, so I had to, like, I remember walking, I'd leave at, like, 4.30, right? I would get done there and then go across the street to Texaco, right? And I'd pump gas at Texaco, and then I'd go finish the night out on the weekends working at the Green Olive washing dishes. So, like, I would do these crazy long days, but I was, like, balling out of control. Yeah. Like, you, Did you go to school? Yeah. I'm talking about the weekends. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at 14, you worked three jobs. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, that's mind I, I got paid $4 an hour cash at, what's it called? At Green Olive. Really? Yeah. And then Texaco. I forget what I got there. But it was cool, you know, and I like I enjoyed it because what else am I going to do, you know? That's yeah. how, that's kind of my mentality about it. Like I work probably, I don't know, I have my regular job and then I do like a side thing where I do like freight deliveries yep. and pickups. And I just Which do that. Which is killer to be it's, in right now. It's awesome. Yeah. And I love it. But I mean, I've been working at freight for 
23 years, yep. you know, since I was, that was like my first profession and I just never got out of it. But I probably do that all day long and I don't think twice about it because then Saturday comes and I'm comfortable. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'd much rather, there's a lot of things that I need in life. Like, you know, I want to own property and stuff like that. But like, I'm one of those guys that's just like, I live paycheck to paycheck like anybody else, you yeah. know? But I want to like, you know, you know, I, I just feel like I'd rather put the time into work and have something for it than sit around and say, I need, I need, I need. 100%. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's like the same mentality. Like, I guess I do the same thing. I buy up old rusty cars and try to make a, a little extra money. I'll fix it up. I'll tune the motor a little bit and turn around and sell it. Again, dude, Jay, not Rob. Don't call him Rob. <laughs> I did that before the episode. Now I feel like I'm wearing a clown. You ever seen the uh, meme with the clown makeup? That's me right now, dude. That's me. That's great. But, um, so, dude, your your product that you put out, man. Listen, I've been, like, watching and looking, and I'm like, man, this dude, it's the, you know what the deal is? I grew up in the body shops. Similar work, well, you, it's what you do, only you do it on a more high-end level, you know, in my opinion. And the shops in the 80s and 90s were all small businessmen. They were all small shops that were owned by some guys took a lot of pride in their product. I mentioned the shop earlier that I grew up in. Back in the day, the dude was brutal, but he also was known for putting out very good product. Yeah. He doesn't own the shop no more, and now a lot of the shops have sold out to local, uh, well, not local, uh, like the insurance companies and Caliber and all these other. So, like, the problem is, is in that particular industry, I've noticed, is that all of the guys can make a lot more money doing dog shit work at one of those franchises, and, and it's hard for a small business person like yourself to re retain guys that want to put out really good quality. Dude, I admire what you do. You're like, you're like one of the last guys left that's still like, fuck this, we're just going to make it beautiful. But, but you know, like to me, the big sales pitch is, is that you... People don't realize this. They call their insurance company and they're like, oh man, I got an offender bender. And they think that they have to listen to the guy on the phone when the guy says to them, well, all right, we'll take your car down the street to Caliber or, mm -hmm. you know, some bullshit place that's going to just do a half-assed job and hack it up. But you have a choice. In the state of Pennsylvania, you have a choice to take the, the car to any shop you want. Now, you don't promote your business. We won't go down that road. I highly encourage bother him anyway see if you can't convince him to fix your car because he does great work but uh no, i appreciate it man. that's my sales pitch i won't mention your business because you asked us not to but but dude your work looks amazing thanks you know? man well it's um i always uh it's been hard to get people like guys to work at the shop you know like i mentioned to you before that we had 12 guys and and me and my wife running the place and now it's me and my brother and four three guys um there's five of us total and um man i can't tell you how many like guys who are like veterans in the industry i hired them and they're really really good like i remember the first time i hired a painter to replace me and i was so pumped about it right because the guy that i um i grew up working for before i started my shop he used to always tell me about this guy he's like this guy is He's like, you're great, but this guy is, like, godly. And I'm like, cool, right? Like, yeah. he's way older than me, so, like, I'm not taking offense to it. Right? Sure. I still got time. I hired that guy, 
right, who had his own shop and his shop went under. And I'm like, I, I remember calling my wife so excited. I'm like, I am getting out of the paint booth for the day to day. All the like the specialty stuff or if it's something that's like really challenging, like I'm doing that, right? Sure. But for the day to day, I got this really, really good guy. And man, we just couldn't work together because he had like these this like old disgruntled, worn out guy habits mm-hmm. that he just like despised me for asking him to like correct those habits. You know what I mean? I'm like, this isn't good enough or I want this redone and he's like, I oh, you know, you're only making me redo this because, like, your ego. And I'm like, bro, sign your paychecks. There's no ego. Like, I won. If there's, if we have a battle here, I won. You know, you work for me. Sure. There's no ego. I just want it right. Whatever you sell to me, I got to sell to the customer for life. You know what I mean? Like, I warranty everything forever. So I'm like, but that just over and over again, you know? Yeah. So I got rid of everyone and partnered with my brother and just trained like aside from my fabricator who's like the only guy that I've ever worked with that will do something the complete opposite way of how I envisioned it or wanted it done and I'm still like you killed it bro you know what I mean like it's really good um, well it's it's art I think yeah. I think at it's the like end of the day it's creative outlet to some extent mm-hmm. I think it's art but I also think that dude you're meticulous enough and and I think that you have the eye. Listen, I see your content and I see the cars you drive. And uh, dude, the Dodge Caravan. Most people look at that and they're like, "What is this guy doing?" And I understand what you're doing because you like the avant-garde. He doesn't want like, dude. You got some awesome cars that are very popular, very specialty cars that in the car world, people are like, "Oh my God, I can't believe he has that." But you definitely still have this weird tickle of like, "No, no, no, I want some weird stuff." And the Dodge Caravan definitely falls into that category because most people have no clue that it is 100% total sleeper. You know? I feel so fortunate to have found that thing, man. Um, <laughs> and my wife, who usually like kind of gets what I'm into and everything like that, yeah, she just doesn't get it, <laughs> doesn't think it's cool, doesn't want to drive it. You know what I mean? Um, like I was dead serious. Um, I'm like. Uh, giving my wife's Escalade like a freshen up right now. I'm like, I need it for a month. Yeah. And she's just like, what am I, like, what am I going to drive? And I'm like, well, like, I'm dead serious. Like, you drive the van. What do you mean? Like, this thing, it's so practical. Of course you would drive the van, right? Yeah. She's like, I'm not driving that. As soon as I brought it home, like, I was like over the moon about the van. Yeah. And I bring it home and she like comes out front and sees it and she's like, oh my God. And I'm like, it's amazing, right? She's like, no. <laughs> like, it's like, we'll let her drive the Mercedes then. Mercedes is a gorgeous car, man. I told her she can drive that, but you know, like we have a two-year-old in a car seat, and I'm like, you really want to be like reaching into this low car in the back seat to, like, or the, like the van? It's like you slide the door open and the kids just get in there and rock out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But but anyway, yeah, you know, it's just um, I got that thing from this really old lady so she's so old that she's like in a nursing home and i dealt with her son who was crazy old like this guy's like in his 70s wow and he's like oh yeah like mom loved this van and uh she bought it when she retired because she started a crafting business so she'd take it to like uh local craft sales and whatever and i'm like when when i found the listing i messaged the guy immediately and i was like i'll take it Right. 
and I'll come now. And he's like, yeah. And I left my cell. I always leave my cell phone number when I message people. I'll take it because, like, you know, you get bombarded. Right. So uh, he he calls me, like, right away. And he's like, you can't come now because I have to get the seats out of storage. And I didn't know what that meant until, like, I got there later. But apparently when she bought the van, the first thing they did was remove the back seats and put them in storage because she didn't need them. So the back seats have, like, never been sat in. It's, like, mint condition. Yeah. And uh, and they made, like, 400, I think, of those. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, you know, like you said, I got some cars that people freak out over, but, like, it's that weird stuff to me that that I really get juiced up about. And it's not just the van, right? Like, I love the story of the van. Yeah, right. yeah. Right now we're doing this whole overhaul on the whole thing, right? So, like, I did the mechanical overhaul, I gutted the entire interior and like cleaned and freshened up anything that was like old or worn or anything. But I like dynamated the entire inside with like an insulation material and a foam and got the headline, you know, like all fresh inside and put a stereo and everything like that. Um, and then like this week we spent making like a custom, a piece that looks like an original part for the car that goes on the headliner behind the dome lights for a boost gauge right and the boost gauge i used was from another shelby model 80s dodge that yeah. we like chopped and made smaller we like <laughs> took this gauge apart and made it smaller to fit in this pot you know like so i always say like i'm not a real car guy because the stuff that i'm into is not popular like a lot of like i'll spend so much time on a modification that you're like what did you do and I'm yeah, like, oh, I but you're doing that. it for yourself. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah I mean like, that's I, what that's what a real like I don't want to keep calling you an artist or nothing, but it's a creative outlet. That's what you do. You create things for yourself. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, it's. I mean, it sounds to me like you, a lot of it is about integrity for you as well. Always. You know, yeah, it has to be. Well, for the longest time too. Like I remember sitting at my kitchen table in my crappy apartment in Norwood. When I first met my wife, dude, like, I didn't have nothing, right? And I remember sitting there talking to her, like, telling her what my goals were. I'm going to build custom cars, and I'm going to do Ferraris and Lamborghinis and all this type of stuff. And it seemed so... Unattainable. Yeah, like, it seemed like it was just, like, I was, like, it was, the words were coming out of my mouth, but I, like, halfway believed it, you know what I mean? Like, I I think it's going to happen. I just don't know how I'm going to get there. And then we got to a point where we're, like, doing crazy you know crazy crazy big projects for some famous people and stuff like that and like i got to where i w- thought i always wanted to get to and, and i got, got there, there and just and like, like i don't really care this much about this yeah. <laughs> you know like i got to the goal and i'm like eh, it don't really matter because i was doing these like big ticket you know high budget cars and everything like that and it was like i got to that point and i'm like this is not for me, right? Because ultimately what I realized is that I don't care about the money, right? Okay. And what I ultimately want to do is like, I have these ideas in my head and I just want to like, I just want to build those ideas. Yeah. And I'm doing these cars for people and it's like, I'm just a slave to their bad ideas. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just not into it. So I am on the back end, like the beginning end of where you're at. Like, like I've been an employee my whole life, and right now I'm battling with this idea of, just like you said, I'm not, I like American muscle, I like taking, um, 
I really like when people like Frankenstein shit, you mm-hmm. know, like I think it's kind of rad when somebody takes a two Jay Z and they shove it into a Chevelle or something. And it's like oddball stuff. I'm not a diesel guy, but I have like recently thought about buying like a Cummins 4BT and like, you know, uh, you know, put it in something odd, you know, I, I like the, like the weird stuff, you know? And, and I don't, like, like to me, I look at you like a body shop guy. I'm like, I'm like, you and I talked before, and you're not as focused on like building a performance or like a like a monster race car. You you like, like, dude, I looked at your Mustang and I was like, this thing is flawless, dude. It is like the green Mustang. He's the Shelby. It's a uh, like a turquoise. He's got no, like a turquoise I don't one know, I saw with. Uh, Look like it was teal. like green on. Yeah. 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 The uh, teal, teal one. Yeah. Teal with uh, yeah. like turbine wheels, and it is yeah. like unbelievably beautiful car. Mm. I, I mean everything everything you got is is really yeah. meticulously done. And and to me, I always think about guys like that. Like my dad's a body shop guy. My dad is not a motor guy. The T bucket that I drove to your shop, dude, he handed me that car at a car show. Uh we me and my wife wanted to drive like you like car stories? This is the car story. My dad built the car, it's a kit car. He cut it in half and stretched it twenty four inches because T buckets are usually two seaters. Mm-hmm. And he was like, No, 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 I like this whole like Munster's mobile four-seater car. He's like, I'm going to do that. So he did. But he made the car beautiful. He's a body shop guy. That's what he does. He built the interior because he does uh, boat upholstery and stuff now. He made the top for it. He put these little dingleberry things that all the kids love. You know, it's like these little yeah, the- wavy things on the sides. Uh, almost looks like a hippie curtain or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But so then the motor wise, which I'm the opposite. I've, like I said, in the beginning of this episode, I said that I'm uh, a little extravagant or obnoxious or whatever. I don't care. I, I never get offended when somebody's like, dude, you are ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is what I do. I blame my mom's side of the family, the McNiffs. They're all pretty wild and crazy. But anyway, let's get back to the car. So my dad hands me the car, and it's got a worn-out Chevy 305 out of, like, an 86 pickup truck or something, like a 1500 Silverado. Worn out, like, clapped out, like, smoking and shit a little bit, like, with just, like, a generic Holley 550 carburetor on Like, nothing. This is, like, not a race car. This is not a monster. Yeah. When I think about T-buckets, like, I think about Hot Wheels. I think, like big obnoxious crazy exhaust and like big old choppy cam in this thing so when i showed up and there's no exhaust on my car and the thing is just completely ridiculously radical it's because i think that that's what a t-bucket should be and Mm -hmm. when i pull into the car shows like you were there the other day although i don't think you heard me coming in but dude i heard you leaving (laughs) yeah yeah everybody knows when i left you know which, by the way, the dude, the dude never. I was like, damn man, they didn't take one picture of my car. I was like so pissed. I was watching their, uh, you know, their Instagram account, and I was yeah. like, ah, oh, no, I know it's gonna pop up eventually. Nope, no, never. Wow, <laughs> there was a lot of cars there. There's still time. Yeah, it's hard. Right. I'm just busting, busting was, chops right now. You that know, that's a good turnout, man. <laughs> it really was, and it was, <clears throat> it was cool because there was a nice mix. You know, like there was yeah. some. I go to car shows and sometimes you meet like these old head dudes that are very like grumpy. I, I'm like, dude, I'm still like young and open minded. I like to talk to people about their cars. I love the stories, you know. So like, I want to hear like, where did it come from? Who built it? You know, did, what did you do to it? What What's your, you know, flavor that you put on it? Some of these dudes are just like, man, I don't know. I bought it at auction. I don't give a shit. It's it's a Nova, you know. And you're like, 
Dude, it's kind you, of a crazy. You suck. I don't want to talk to you. Thought to like go out of your way to go somewhere that yeah. you don't want to interact. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. A lot I of car that. shows. Yeah. I hate that feeling. Dude, a lot of car shows are like that, yep. man. You know, like, a lot of car like, shows. I show up. Offish. I try to walk over to the other guys that have old hot rods and stuff because that's the class that I usually have to put my car in. And it's like, oh, hey, what's up, man? What do you got here? Is that is that a big block? You know, and I start picking their brain and they're like, <laughs> and they don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, how that's do you not want to talk about your car? Here, this is... So I was supposed to tell you the story of the car. My dad gives me the car because me and my wife wanted to drive away from the church in it when we got married. And we ended up doing that. He gave me the car uh, when I had five years clean. We were at the Boeing car show and he did it like in front of everybody. And dude, I was like in tears. Now this is what I'll say. We didn't grow up in Darby, but we definitely grew up uh, tough. My dad owned a body shop, but he, he was like very frugal and like very... Like, the dirt bikes that we rode as kids were, like, trash-picked, you know? Like, mm-hmm. an old 79 YZ80 that he was blown up, and he, like, took it. That's how we got into, like, fixing things, repaint the frame, put it all back together, freshen up the motor. Like, that's that's the Hunter family way... Oops, sorry. That's the Hunter family way that, like, we got into doing, like, what you do, you know? And, uh, and that's why I appreciate what you do when you're sitting here telling me that you ripped the caravan apart and, like, went over it with a fine-tooth cone and fixed things and dynamaxed it. And, but wouldn't you much you rather know? have it that way? Like, you have something that has character. I know? do. And has a history and it has a story and you rebuilt it. and you. Like, I, think I would most... think I would much rather have that than to just buy it shiny and brand new and, you know. So in the car world, you have these guys, you have the battle between built or bought, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's like... I'm sure he'll agree with me. Sometimes you just get worn out and you're like, dude, you know what? Like my Malibu. Right. My Malibu is awesome, but it's a never-ending fucking project. Now, I don't own a shop. I just go there when I have free time. And nowadays with small children, free time is a luxury, Mm -hmm. you know? So sometimes I look at other guys' cars and I'm like, well, for 15 grand, this thing could already be done, you know? That's the the curse. Yeah. You know, because um, I used to... I used to get so frustrated when I would go to car shows and I would see like a whole bunch of like immaculate stock cars because I'm just like, I want to customize everything. You know, (laughs) I'm like, I want to buy this mint condition, original low mileage thing and cut it up. Yeah. Because it was like um, trying to make a name for myself. Sure. I thought that's what I had to do. And I kind of got my kicks out of just like going against the green. Like, oh, this is going to get people annoyed. I'm doing it. Yeah. But... As I've matured and like really learned business, that's what what has like kind of been tough for me as far as like pursuing my interests and everything like that. Because I'm like, all right, cool. Like I would love to build this car, but this looks like seventy thousand dollars to me for a car that is I could buy it right now for thirty. Yeah. Right. Because I'm like, time is money. I'm not going to be here all hours of the night like I used to. So I can't look at it like, here's my, my 8 to 5, and then I'm just going to do this in my time. Now I'm like, my time costs this much an hour. If I'm working on this car, I need to build it out like I would build anyone else. Build hmm. myself. Yeah. So I'm like, therefore, like, <clears throat> I really want a 78 Trans Am. Bad. I really want one bad, right? And I'm like, am I going to buy one for 20 and spend a year of my time redoing it or am I going to just buy a nice one for 90 grand yeah and I'm like 
it might be cheaper to buy the one for 90 grand. Yeah. Right. And if I would have said that statement to my younger self, I'd be like, dude, you're just, you're just not like a complete idiot. You think you could do it yourself. It's free. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not, you know, and, um, getting in, getting in that mindset is like, uh, taking a lot of the fun out of it for me for building those old cars and stuff. Cause, uh, I used to do it cause I loved it. And I'm now that I'm like more of a, I, I, I got a mentor. Um, I was building this Shelby Cobra for this older guy that I got linked up with who he built custom homes for a living. Right. And he does it like on a, like five to $15 million homes. Right. So he like paid the work alongside and be a part of the process. So we end up with all this time into this car and like his bill is just racking up. And he's like, Jay, I have an idea. It's like, I've been working alongside you all this time and uh, I'm having, I'm having a blast, but I know my bill is getting up there and I'm seeing some things that like, I feel like I might be able to help you. And I'm like, in what way? And he's just like in business. And I'm like, okay, cool. So like, what are you saying? He's like, how about we trade off some hours, my time for yours straight up. And I'm like, all right, like that's, that's great. You know what I mean? So we start going to business. I mean, going to dinner, talking business like once a week. Um, and in that time he makes me read, um, this book called the E-Myth, which is basically like about entrepreneurship in America. Sure. And I'm like, he gives me the book and I'm like, no, nah, like I'm good. Nah, like I'm not a reader, you know? And he's just like, all right, cool. Like no problem. Well, I didn't know like that meant like our right, deals off. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll read the book. And I get like page three, page four. And I'm just like, this is brutal. And then yeah. you get like page 10. And I'm just like, this book was written about me. Yep. And, uh, so reading that book, it, it really changed my perspective on things. And it, it helped me shift my mindset from like a technician's mindset to a business owner's mindset. Big difference. The jump from employee to business owner, Huge which is a difference. Uh, it's like bird's eye view as opposed to like worm's eye view. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to describe like everybody on the ground level. I, I, I go to construction sites and I talk to guys on the ground. Iron workers will tell you this. Carpenters will tell you this. Electrician. Everybody's bitching and complaining. If I owned this job site, this is how I would do it. But yeah. you're looking at it from the ground level. Right. You're not the guy in the sky looking down. Yeah. You know? They don't have like a three dimensional take on the whole thing. Right. Right. They're just looking at it from where they, what, what, the, whatever value they bring to the situation. And I did want to uh, cut in for a second about the book because uh, I haven't read that book, but I do read thousands of books. So that's next on my list. I will add it. It's great. I, uh, I do the audio thing. I do so much driving with my day job that I listen to a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, audio books. But one thing that I do is, because uh, I'm an idea guy too, you know, and I and I love the fact that like, uh, I'm not sure on the episode or before the episode, you mentioned that like, dude, you're always like brainstorming and coming up with these ideas of like, what's the next thing that I'm going to give it a shot. And, and I feel like I'm doing that, but, uh, but some of it hits, some of it hits and some of it's like, mm, that might be a dud. Maybe, you know, let's try something else. Yeah. And the one thing that drives me nuts is when people that I know will come to me and, and ask for advice and I'll say to them, well, do you, do you listen to Robert Kiyosaki or, or do you, do you read his books? Have you, what about uh, Dave Ramsey? Do you, you have you done any? I like in, that uh, Seth Godin guy. I enjoy him. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different guys out there with a lot of good advice. And in my opinion, whether it's good or bad advice, you should listen to it anyway or, or watch it, read it, whatever you got to do. But the worst thing that you could ever say is what he just said, 
and the guy basically was ready to shut you down, you know? I have friends that I have flat out said to them, you know, dude, I'll partner with you. Have you ever, like, read any books on entrepreneurship or business, you know, like, development and stuff like that? And they instantly are like, dude, I'm too old. I'm not fucking reading a book. And you think to yourself, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to yeah. be learning yeah. until I'm 95 years old. Yeah, if you I don't really ever long, stop learning. You know? To you, to for the a 40-some-year-old guy to tell me that, yeah. like, fuck you, it's too late. Too late for what? Are you planning on killing yourself next week? I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I am... Uh, I, I consider myself like an ultra-ambitious person. I am always thinking, like, what is the next move that I can do to, to uh, you know, like... I'm looking into talking to a lawyer about creating a trust for my kids. And like, there's, there's different things that I'm working on all kinds of shit. Every idea. Let's, let's just entertain every idea. And sometimes and, it's as simple as you verbalizing. Like he was saying earlier, he was talking about, I'm going to work on this car and the Lamborghinis and everything else. And he, he halfway believed it. Well, but, because you have to, if yeah. you, if I think if you communicate and you talk to the right person, sometimes they'll give yeah. you a nugget of an idea and you're like, mm. You know what? Let me let me ponder on that. Mm-hmm. He, you talking about doing the real estate deals. Before me and my wife bought the Collingdale property that we have, which is a triplex, I did an enormous amount of research. I ran the numbers. I did the math. I did projections. I thought about every possible scenario. How could I fail if I tried this? You know? Mm-hmm. And it just kept coming back to this. The, the answer just kept saying, like, no, the risk is relatively low. This is a good deal. Everybody around me was negative. Everybody around me was like, oh, it's a shithole neighborhood. It's going to go down. You're going to own it for 30 years. You get used to Section 8. It's a fucking shithole. That place is terrible. Yeah. And yeah. then I drove through the neighborhood, and I was like, I don't it's know. Not so bad. I grew up in Eddystone. This right. don't really look that bad. Like, I could I could live here. This, this ain't fucking horrible. Yeah. And the block I was on was relatively quiet. I met the neighbor. The neighbor was a really nice guy. But a lot of that is our backgrounds. You know, he's saying he grew up... And, you know, and he would have to walk a mile to the bus stop, but it was like walking you know, before we started the show. Yeah. And he was looking, you know, for, he was like a deer looking for hunters. Yeah. You grew up in Eddystone and Norwood. You know this area very well. I grew up in Grace Ferry. Every day was an adventure. Yeah. You know, trying to get from high school back to the house or whatever. You know what I mean? You know what the irony of, for, for me anyway, is that like, I... This is the weirdest thing. So you know my little brother. My little brother grew up in Norwood. My my parents were divorced, so I, we would me and my sister would go down to Eddystone and spend the weekends down there or go to Eddystone every chance we got because I had the same life as you, only it was in Norwood. The kids in Norwood fucked with me relentlessly. Yeah. And I got jumped a lot. I got the shit beat out of me like... I don't even know. Hundreds of fucking times. You had more times. meaningful friendships in but that it, harder area. Well, Eddie Stone, they were poor kids. Mm-hmm. I was poor. I didn't have nothing. I didn't even have fucking Nikes. Everybody's like, you know, these are the cool shoes. I can't afford them. I got the Payless shoes. I got, you know, I can't have. I can't get DCs. This is what I got. These yeah. are $25 fucking skate shoes that I would wear out, you know? Yep. I grew up skateboarding, you know? So it's like, uh, I always felt more comfortable in, in like more impoverished neighborhoods so like me buying a house in collingdale i was like not afraid at all i was no. like i don't give a fuck i'll I buy was, houses in chester i don't give a shit i still feel like that yeah i'm still i still feel more comfortable in those type of neighborhoods like my brother lives in drexel hill yeah and it's like very much uh 
closer to a neighborhood that we grew up in, row homes and twin, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel much more comfortable in that scenario than I do with, uh, you know, in some of the wealthier circles that I roll in. I feel yeah. better in like a melting pot kind of scenario than I do in like... Well, it's... So like you're it saying... It felt like it was so much more impersonal out here. So, like, to take it back to, like, the family thing, you know, because you're a dad, you got kids, you're trying to raise them and, and teach them uh, values and stuff. And I think that that's the great fear. Like, right now, my kids are in private school because I, I specifically, like, think to myself, I need to give you the best possible chance. But like you discussed, I'm, I'm a little concerned that, like, maybe you're not getting that raw edge that you need that's going to toughen you up a little bit. Like, like sometimes I'm a little like worried, like you're sheltering them too much. Maybe, maybe. you know, like, no, I'm like, not saying you are. I'm just, I think at the end yeah. of the day, it comes down to me as a dad. I have to keep talking to them and keep like, I'm tough on my kids. You know, I'll fucking yell at them and, and like, dude, I'll straighten their ass out in a heartbeat. I'm not, I'm not a modern, like, you know, all right, Christopher, come on, come sit down. Dude, I'm not doing that shit. When I fucking said that this is the rule, this is the rule and we're following the rule, you know? Yeah. But uh, but I also think that my kids are like me and they're very stubborn. So like I don't know, maybe maybe your children have better. It's, uh, it's like a tough, um, you know, like when you're a kid, you think that your parents have it all figured out, and then you grow up, and it's just like you know, you realize that adults are just growing up kids, mm-hmm. right? We <laughs> don't have it all figured really out. Really, are yeah, yeah. And, um, for my kids, uh, I worry about them, like you said, just being a little bit soft because they're growing up in such a privileged way. And, and I think about it like growing up, it was a mixture of not knowing we were poor because everyone was poor. Sure. But also then we moved from – so we I lived in Darby. Then we moved to Colwyn, which was like an upgrade. Yeah. Um, Colwyn's basically like a closet of niceness – in Darby, sure. <clears throat> and then we moved to uh, Prospect Park when I went to eighth grade, and um, then we like stayed out the remainder of Prospect, right? And basically, once we moved to Prospect, I I thought we moved to a rich neighborhood. That's you know? how I felt. Yeah, I really thought we moved to a rich neighborhood. We had a big single house, even though it was like in shambles. It was still a big single house in a really nice neighborhood. You know. And uh, I remember being, like, completely beside myself at how everyone talked to each other, right? The way that other kids would talk to me and speak and everything like that was, like, this snarkiness and Mm -hmm. this sarcasm Mm -hmm. that I wasn't used to. And I'm just, like, I remember thinking, like... The quality of people were better. Well, I just just kept feeling, like, are you trying to fight me? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, like I'm like sizing you up. Are you sizing me up back? Because like we don't like we don't talk to each other like this where I'm from. I, I feel like you're kidding, but I also want to punch you, you know? <laughs> and uh that was like a tough transition for me, you know? Mm-hmm. But like where are my kids growing up now, there's no neighborhood. We don't yeah. have sidewalks, the houses are super far apart from each other. Like we have these play dates with other kids and I think it's super weird and it's like <laughs> off putting for me. But it is what it is, and it's different times, and and like I feel like I always try to like force my childhood on my kids, but then in hindsight, I'm just like you know remembering like 
you know, there was parts of childhood that really sucked. You right. Know? So I'm just like, well, I'm going to force this. They're growing up in a good way, you know. But, uh, but dude, there's like the life lessons that you get from the neighborhood. You know, like you can't. Uh, my kids will never get those neighborhood lessons. Like so much of the stuff that I learned in life was from the neighborhood, from right. the kids, from. You know, and you have a uh, deeper connection times. to that too. Yeah, and I'm you like, know? man, I want that for my kids, yeah. but there's no way to recreate it. You couldn't get me to go to like a high school reunion. Yeah, I just for, missed like, out on for Annabelle. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I wouldn't go to that, but my my friends from Philadelphia, they put together an eighth grade reunion, and we all went to Philly, and I never felt like more. Like, it was probably one of the happiest nights of my life. Yeah, that's really cool. Seeing those people again, seeing them as adults, and it's like, we're all, like, in our late 30s at that point or whatever. Yeah. And it was, like, it just, and you just felt like they have so much more, like, depth and character than anybody else that I knew. And not to, like, totally, like, like, down this area completely, because there's plenty of meaningful relationships that I have. Like, I mean, like, like me and Kristen talked to each other for 20 years. We ran into each other at a post office. Oh, okay. And, like, now we're, like, great friends. No, that wasn't me. I wasn't the guy that was, like, on my life. Nah, yeah. <laughs> on exactly. my life. Oh, that God. wasn't me. I oh, wasn't no, that no. guy. Yeah, we was at the post office, and we thought <laughs> I thought some kid was going to attack me. You know. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> This kid was young man, guys, you know. Yeah, young kid, and he was him and his mother were having it out in the post office, and he was he was about to explode. And I was like, I'm looking at other people in there, and they're like, something goes down. We're we're jumping this kid. <laughs> like, oh, I think did, I think you might have. Did you talk about that? We talked about it on yeah. one of the episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was wild. Yeah, people are. It's crazy how um, <laughs> it's crazy like how aggressive some people can be. Yeah. Well, in this in this area, so I, I will admit to the audience that I had to step away to, because my children love to come down here and interact with us when we're trying to record. So there's a portion of the conversation that I did miss out on. I I apologize, but uh, I did want to reflect on the. Basically, we were saying Delco sucks. It does. It does <laughs> suck because it is ultra aggressive, and you know what the worst part but is. But he has a great way of articulating it that like. When he was saying, like, the way people talk to each other. It's brutal. Yeah, right. It really is. And it's, like, it's so off-putting because it's, like, this isn't how human beings are supposed to interact. The, yeah. You know, like, there's this weird problem in my particular head where it's, like, I am so unbelievably comfortable at this point in my life living like this, but I really don't like it. Yeah. I love traveling. Because I go to other places and I don't have to do it no more, mm-hmm. you know? I went to Portugal and I, I I guess I have like a weird PTSD about just the way people interact with each other because when I go somewhere new, I am instantly very defensive and I think to myself like, what what kind of bullshit is this person going to throw at me? Yeah. But, but then when I'm like, I'm so pleasantly surprised when they don't and I'm just like, oh, thank God, man, we can just talk and... Everything's fine, and I don't have to worry about you judging me or giving me a hard time about any stupid crap, you know? Like that, man, the judging people. Yeah. That's, Dude. that's the thing around here. Yeah. Right? Um, and it drives me crazy. Yeah. Right? Because uh, I don't, like, some people, I'm like, how do you have the nerve? Right? Like, some people are so judgmental. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too, man, but I try, I really try not to, you know? Because I'm like, um, I've heard so many times from people that 
I barely know than I get to know him, and I hear all the time like, "You're so much different than I thought you'd be." And I'm like, "What?" Did <laughs> I'll you be think? honest with you. I was kind of intimidated just coming here today. You know, having like seen your social media and stuff like that, I was like, "I'm not gonna know what the hell to say to this guy at all." Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, "What?" I'm like, uh, "Well, I don't know what people expect." You yeah, know what I mean, like, uh, well, I think the internet, first of all, is is always the it's worst. It's like this other version. Dude, well, so like, you know, like like looking at your pictures, you look flashy. You got really awesome cars. You wear them sunglasses, which I think are very. They look a little eccentric, which I think is comical because when I met you, I was like, this dude is not really that. You are very reserved. You're very methodical the way you talk to people. But when you look at the pictures, you think, oh man, this guy's like, he's like, he looks flashy, a colorful, you know. Right? So like the internet always. I think always tints people the wrong way, you mm-hmm. know. So, so that's just my perspective. I mean, originally walking into your shop, I thought like this guy might scoff. Well, do you? You're another Delco guy, so honestly, I was like, oh shit, this this might be like I might embarrass the shit out of myself right now. And then, like, dude, you were so humble. I remember like looking at you and thinking like, this is a, a fucking enigma. I don't meet people that aren't recovering addicts that have a very pleasant demeanor towards other people like it's it's so normally like an anomaly for you it was i was like dude i just don't meet a lot of people and and i i have to guard myself because i have very like i'm a secret optimist mm-hmm. i wish the best for everybody but in delco i have to protect myself because there's a lot of fucking nasty people out here that don't give a shit and they will fuck with me bad yep you know mm-hmm. so it's like i have to like be prepared like I said a nice thing. Is this guy going to fuck with me and start breaking my balls? And and as brutal as I am, because a lot of people listen to my, my crazy social media stuff and the comedy that I do, I think that I am a product of my environment, you know? I was a nice kid. I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to have trouble. I was an artist. I was a skateboarder. I just wanted to be left alone. Yeah. And I got fucking tortured and then at some point, it wasn't even the physical beatings that bothered me. It was, like, the, the shit talking. But then at some point, I realized that, like, this is the name of the game. So now, I'm, like, fucking... I'm, like, a Golden Glove champ of shit talking. Like, when a guy on a job site wants to start shooting his mouth off... Yeah. I fucking shut him down hard. Like, I will embarrass the shit out of you in front of all your fucking buddies. Because I don't care anymore and you're not going to fucking do this to me. You know? It's a crucial life skill. It you know, really is. it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we push, you know, get good grades and, and everything like that on your kids. And it's like in my house, I really push like I remember <laughs> like weeks of drilling my kids on mama jokes. Really? So they can yeah. run their mouth at school. Yeah. 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 And to be clever, like to you me, good ones, getting great ones. When my son comes home and he's just like fired up that like his classmates said his mom's fat. Oh, wow. She's like, <laughs> but you know she's not. Like, why do you care? 100%. Right? Yeah. But you can't tell that to a kid, you know? Yeah, like, right. He doesn't want to hear that. He wants to hear, what do I do about it? Yeah. And I'm telling yeah. him, like, oh, you can't punch him over that. Tell him right. his mom's He's just his mouth. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So that's the tell issue. Tell uses a VCR for a beeper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> dude, we had all types of good ones. And then he started making up his own, which yeah. were even even funnier than anything I gave him. You know? Yeah. Like, all right, cool. You're getting it. Yeah. Um. I think the strongest attribute that I would love to teach my children is how to be clever and uh, how to be clever and how to, 
you have to look at the world like a chessboard, in my opinion. It sucks you know? that you do, too, because, I mean, you can get trapped with, like, people that just have an agenda. Yeah. You know? Everyone's got their own agenda. Right. And yeah, it's like, but man, people just operate in the most cerebral ways. And it's hard to even realize that they are sometimes, you know? You, you can't get away just being a nice guy anymore. Well, but but you can and you can't. So, like, mm. you have to know how to walk away. So, like, the, I always... I always I thought about this a long time ago, and it's a and it's a thing that I, I stand by. There's two games that you should learn how to play because they teach you very crucial rules to life: chess and poker. And I don't think that you should play poker for money because it's not about the money aspect of it and gambling, but it's about the idea of learning what does this other person want from me? How are they trying to get it out of me? Are they fucking lying to me? And it teaches you how to read people. Mm-hmm. You know, I can walk up to a person. I would say 95% of the time I can read them within a minute or two of talking to them and know what their agenda is and what kind of bullshit they're about to throw at me, you know? Which chess piece they think they are in life. Exactly. Because, like, every every single player, every single piece in chess relates to somebody's position in the Man. world, right? Like, it's yeah. a very that game is a very act- accurate reflection of real life yeah. re- re- representation. And... Uh, that's like super super real yeah and um i don't i don't think that uh i noticed that until like my six or my seven year old he's like a chess not prodigy but he's really really good and he's really into it and he taught me a lot about it right and watching like they're like plays like like uh like you'd see in a football game right like he sees oh this guy's doing this combination of moves and i know this play to counter that round and i'm like watching it i'm like oh crap like this is really uh this this is super relatable how this is going down yeah um and life in general i think is is you can look at people or your your uh relationships with other people and you can see the same thing and you know that like like you said, people accept their position on the board, and, and very few people want to be a different position. A lot of the times, they're okay with being a pawn. They're yeah. okay with being the knight middle management. They're okay with, you know, there are very few guys that look at the king or the queen and they're like, dude, that's the piece I want to be. Yeah. You know? Right. They don't, they don't, most people don't give a shit enough. They're happy with, they're content, mm-hmm. you know? So... And then, and then when it comes to the fact that there's two sides to a board, you have to realize what is this other person trying to do and, and how can I protect myself from that? Sometimes that means literally walking away. Listen, I sell used shitty cars and I deal with people all over this area, the tri-state area. And people will message me on Facebook or whatever and just say like crazy shit. Ah, it's a fucking piece of shit diesel truck. I'm not buying it for that much money. Well, that's fine. And, and dude, if you want to start talking shit, then then I'll just troll you, mm-hmm. you know? Then I'll just sit here and have a good conversation out of this and, and laugh about it, yeah. you know? But uh, for me, I guess the name of the game, back to the kids, is I'm trying to teach my children the, 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 the way a pissing contest works, and it always will. And this goes into politics. This goes into social issues. A pissing contest works like this. The first person to get mad loses. That's it. Yeah. You know? And you can look at any situation like that. If you and I are negotiating over the price of some crappy car that we're both in, uh, you want to buy from me or I want to buy from you, whatever, it's going back and forth. You can either choose to walk away or you can keep going with this. The person that wins is the guy that doesn't lose his cool. Yeah. You know? 
And, and to me, like all of those skills are things that I, I'm more concerned with teaching my children. And then also, obviously, is morals, which, dude, I watch your content and I'm always like, dude, this guy's awesome, man. He's like, yeah. he's really focusing hard on, on the moral thing, which to me. It's harder to be uh, like clean and entertaining than it is to be. Yeah. You know, it is. I well, mean, if I you think, think about it, like think about how hard it is for like, for like a comedian, like, and I'm not saying you're a comedian, but I'm just comparing it to it. But like Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah. Pretty clean guy. Yeah. You know, he's not very vulgar. Sure. Jerry Seinfeld, not very vulgar. Right. Um, You know, like I would think that's a lot harder to do well, I than, than to be like Sam Kinison, right? Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you know? that, man. Um, But, you know, the, a lot of, um, like I say that I create content, right? Sure. But what I actually do is is I make videos of what we do and yeah. I post them. So like uh, creating the the wholesome content is easy because it's just how we operate in, in my house. You know what I mean? And But it's also not nauseatingly wholesome. Yeah, well, it's just real, you know? Yeah. And like, um, you know, it's like you said, like when you look at the Instagram, you know, and, and the social media presence, it looks a certain way. And, um, like when it comes to the family stuff, like we literally, like I started posting and making videos and stuff like that. Not for other people, you know, I'm just like, I'm going to post them up because, cause I made them and why not? And then it's like, uh, you know, people just start liking it or messaging. Hey, I mean, you know, I like the video with your family. I'm like, all right, that's cool. You know, if other people enjoy it, that's cool. But in actuality, I'm just posting up like what we actually do. And, um, when we the way that we grew up like we grew up in a way that like we and my wife too like my wife and me dude like i lucked out like my wife is literally like like i i was i'm a big pusher like karma you know i was sure karma and my wife was like delivered to me right yeah like accidentally ended up in my like people you might know and like accidentally messaged me or showed up somehow we don't know what it was but just like was like here you go here's this bit of a connection and i just haunted her i haunted her for like three months until she'd go on a date with me <laughs> and then it's like the rest is history and like people say all the time like me and her our connection is crazy right? yeah like it's wild how we get along and just like the connection we have right but like when i was growing up when we had nothing else right my parents instilled values and like this like uh like we're a unit it's us against the world yeah that's important yeah so so i like so i'm listening to your story about uh you and your wife and how you guys met and and the funny thing is is i have a very similar story very similar story my wife actually hit on me Mm -hmm. you know i I can't believe that dude i had this i I know isn't it crazy (laughs) who would do such a thing you know (laughs) Listen, it's going to this is going to be a rough little story, but it's funny and uh my wife hates when I tell it, but this is the the honest truth is I had a plenty of fish account. I was worn out cuz I kept dating a lot of crazy women or women that just like it just wasn't a good match. Maybe they're nice people, but it wasn't a good match for me. I understand that I'm a very unique individual and like you said, I think that to some extent I kind of believe that my wife is absolutely my soulmate. Because the, the connection that we have, the way we interact, 
uh, we set standards from the very beginning that, that are hard standards. We don't curse at each other. We don't say nasty names to each other. We don't insult each other. There are rules in this house that we definitely fi- follow. And it's not me or her. It's, it's both of us across the board. The kids, too. You don't talk a certain kind of way to the family. And the golden rule is what you just said there. Us, me and you and these children against the world. And that includes what once was our immediate family but is now extended family. Mm-hmm. You know, my sisters, or my sister, my brothers, her, uh, you know, siblings, our parents. If you're going to interact or cause a problem within this household, then I will <laughs> cut you off. Yeah. That's the honest truth. And, and I love you, but I love my family more, you know? Yep. And my wife is my partner to the very end. That's the way it works here, you know? I mean... Who else's spouse would let them build a, a freaking crazy podcast studio in their basement and, and take over half of it and buy a, you know, $10,000 worth of audio recording equipment and encourage me the whole time to bring strangers into our house? You know, like, dude, I come up with these crazy ideas, buying the, the rusty old cars and trying to fix them, and, and never once does she, like, insult me or say that's stupid or anything. She always is very encouraging and is like, okay, if you think this is a good idea... You know, let's give it a shot, you know, and doesn't that put you in such an amazing headspace to be the best you can be, right? Always. I'm always on guard that I I don't want to fail my family. So so when I make a decision, it is very well thought out. And when you want to take risks, you you do it differently, knowing that you have this support. Like, I know this is going to be a lot, but I know that my old lady's got my back. Yeah. You know, like we're going to get it done, you know? But it goes both ways, though, because like so. So my wife is a is a dog groomer. I kind of pushed her into it because I'm, uh, I guess, in the family, I'm the, the big risk taker. You know, I'm the one that's willing to like, all right, you know, we got this, and we're gonna we're gonna bet big on this one. So like, I pushed her into the business she's in. She's doing awesome in this area. They love her. We had an old rusty truck that we bought from North Jersey that I kept like just patching up and fixing. So in two weeks, we're going to fly to North Carolina and buy her a brand spanking new Mercedes Sprinter van that's decked out exactly the way it is. And we spent an ungodly amount of money on this truck. But it's like, to me, if I'm going to bet on myself, I also have to be willing to bet on her and believe in her, you know? So it's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's got to be reciprocating, you know? Like I... I buy all these crappy cars. Sometimes it's a win. Sometimes it's not, you know? Sometimes it's like, oh, dude, I kind of I kind of shit the bed on this one, you yeah. know? But uh, It happens. Yeah, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you just got to sit on it. Right now, I got a bunch of cars I think I just need to sit on because the market's just not not there right now, yeah. you know? But uh, but with her, it's again, it's it's got to be back and forth. I got to support her and her decision-making. Even, you know, like she wants to get the freaking... The little dog that kept jumping on you is like this purebred with paperwork poodle that she takes to dog shows. Dude, I'm not a dog show guy. I, don't tell her because she'll get upset. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I go to car shows. She goes to dog shows. I be supportive. It's like her standing there while you and I talk about the cars. She has no clue what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, she don't know what the turbo is, right. you know. But I go to the dog shows and do the same thing for her. I'm there. I support you. This is awesome. Keep it up. You look great. You know, you, need, you need help. You need me to get you a bottle of water. What do you need? You yeah. Know? So, yeah, that's great. That's good that you're supportive like that, you know. 
I'm wife, trying, man. My wife's the same way. My wife, like, she she always has these different things, like, you know, that she, it pops up and it's like her, her thing she wants to do. And I'm just like, whatever it is, let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, um, she, like, when I had nothing, she was totally down. And, like, especially all the stuff we put on the internet, you know what I mean? Like, you hear people all the time, oh, gold digger, this, that, and the other thing. You know what I mean? It's like, if anyone knew how with me she was from the start you know what i mean uh so i'm like at this point like nothing could ever change you know like whatever you want to do let's do it you know yeah um and and even that uh i will say to the the naysayers and the negative people on the internet because everybody's got some negative i don't know what it is about the internet but uh you know i've noticed even on the crazy content that i make that, that sometimes you'll have people that'll just just talk shit you know for no like just just to get i guess to get likes on their comment or something and it's like dude you know what you and i know that the video of of your wife jumping in the acura you know and driving off nine million morons were like oh my god look at this gorgeous woman jumping in this beautiful car Mm -hmm. respectfully you know like that's not why you created it in your head you were just like hey look my wife's gonna drive one of my prized possession cars right because I trust her that much. Like, I knew what you were trying to convey in the story. Yeah. But, you know, there's yeah, a lot of like low... Off, there's off. a lot of low IQs out there yeah. that are just like, oh, how can I talk shit on this, you but know? There's like an off-the-cuff, one-minute recording of her just getting in the car to leave to go to dinner with her friend, and it's like everyone in the comments is just talking trash, you know, and hating on it. Yeah. Or she can't drive it, and it's just like, you know... People are people look for a response. And yeah, a negative a negative comment will get a response more more times. You know, Which, more likely to get a, a response from you than like a positive comment. So it's created this toxic environment on the internet. Which I'm guilty of because I did comment that I would never let my wife drive my cool cars. But that's in my mind that's a reflection of my trust issues and and my uh, I guess greed. You know, like. I don't know. I should be more open. Go ahead, babe. Get the keys to the tea bucket. Let's go do some burnouts. Well, as a, as a as a car guy though, a young car guy, right? Like, you, you gotta you gotta admit at some point, most car guys like uh, in their early twenties or whatever are like, man, all I want is like a hot chick that will do a motor swap with me on the weekend. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like you think you want that, so it's like now I got to a position where I have this stuff, and then and I'm like nothing makes me happier than see and she loves it you know I'm like yeah she, she refers to the nsx as her car yeah and i'm just like that's awesome cool like that's, yeah that's your car that's the one you know she drives it more than i do yeah but uh i don't know man i'm like as a man the ultimate feeling of like fulfillment or like i did it isn't when like random people on the internet are like yo like nice life bro it's like when you can provide an environment where you can share everything you created with your family it's just like that that's where it's at right like i don't need love from strangers you know what i mean like when i built this thing that like my immediate people around me thrive from and enjoy i'm like I don't need your compliments because I got this. You sure, know what I mean? sure. Like, I appreciate the love and everything like that, but, like, it doesn't count as much as it does from, like, you know, the immediate family. I think that's, um, I think that's, like, the, I think that's the evidence of, like, really realizing that, like, um, 
like your purpose in life, you know, like at the end of the day, like, like I think at least for me anyway, I used to contemplate, what am I here to do? You know, like John's heard my story is like, as a young guy, I was very creative. I was an artist. Uh, I went in the military, uh, came home. I thought I was going to be like this ultra artistic person that everybody was just going to flaunt and be like, holy shit, man, you are just so creative. Like you just set the world on fire with how fucking great you are. But then the reality set in that, like, dude, there are millions of fucking artists in this country, and you're just one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're it's a not. Bummer. That realization is a bummer. Yep. Yeah. So, like, that was a huge letdown, and probably led to a large portion of like my my uh, addiction and and depression and stuff like that. And then it's like this, uh, you know, coming of age story of like, well, what am I here to do? And you know when it really sunk in is like meeting Gabby, but then when our daughter was born, you know? Yeah. That was the second, you know, seeing this little baby that now we had to take care of. And she needs you. Dude, and that like, was... I'm here. I'm here for it all. Dude, Whatever you need. At this I'm point, it's it. like, I'll fucking sell all yep. these cars, this house, the rental property. I don't give a shit. I'll, I will beg on the side of 291 if things got bad enough to feed you. Just you. I don't even need to eat. I'll feed you. Every you grown know? adult that I talk to that I'm friends with, like, you know, we talk about our boy Alvin. Yeah. And, uh, like, he was on the cusp of really succeeding in the way that you, you wanted to succeed as a kid, right? Right. You ask him, like, what would you rather have? He's like, I want my simple life with my kid and my wife. Yeah. And my job and providing for them. Like, everybody I talked to. Like, when I was a kid, I wanted to draw for Marvel and DC. Yeah. I don't care now. Yeah. You know, like, I don't care at all. Even yeah. the content-wise, like I, yeah. I think what you and I met six months ago or something like that, or, or early summerish, and even since then I've realized that like I am spending more time. I'm honestly, I felt like I was wasting my time trying to make content to entertain morons on the internet, where I should be focused on building some kind of empire and establishing my family so that we're not struggling in the in the near future when the economy collapses. But we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh but ultimately the goal I think is is dad. You got to be the dad. You have to like like think. That's like really a, the, the greatest thing you're ever going to do in your life is your kids. Well, I think you know. I think at at some point like um I had a conversation with myself, right? With really with um my mentor, Don Sure. When we during all that business we were talking, the conversation came up and he's like, What makes you happy? And I had to really think about it. Because what I thought was gonna make me happy was different than what I actually got happiness from. Yeah. And the two things I came up with was I love spending time with my family and I love driving my cars. Not fast, not to car shows, not to car meets, not to anything. Just driving them. Yeah. Right? That's what I enjoy. Um, and listening to my podcast or my, my, my jazz, you know what I mean? When I'm cruising, like that's what I'm into, right? You dig jazz? Yeah, I listen that's to a lot of jazz. Cool. Yeah. So, um, <sighs> the onion, man, you are an onion. Yeah. Dude. We're just peeling layers back here, man. <clears throat> well, you're going to have to come back and tell us about music. You know, yeah. I think if you're, if you're okay with that, yeah, you know, I'm into that. so, um, I, I realized like that's the stuff that makes me happy. Right. And then I'm like, all right, so so much of what I was doing was not what I was into, you know, like yeah. making, like I, 
I, I I started like doing my content as like making car content, and I realized just I'm like I'm like um. A lot of stuff I find super interesting. I post it and it gets no love. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm just like that's my story of my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my art. Me like, too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I think this is so interesting, and I post it. And I'm just like no one's into it, and then I do this thing where it's like I took this engine from this car and I put it in this car, and it's just like everyone's like oh that's so awesome. I'm just like man, I couldn't care less about that. You know. Yeah. Um, isn't that? I swear to God, that's, that's the the my curse whole of art page. Kurt Cobain, man. That's the whole like uh, like like. Well, I say Kirk Cobain, but it's it's many other artists too. But it, so I always bitch and complain that I went to three years of film school when I got out of the military. Yeah. I had like this whole grand scheme of like writing scripts and directing them. I know how to do lighting. This this computer is completely outfitted with Final Cut Pro so that I can edit video on it. I wanted to do that, man. I want to do it, you know. Yeah. Every time I make a video for TikTok and I lay some audio track over it and I splice it and cut it and make some really nice shots and, and get some like, uh, get a little creative. Nobody gives a shit, dude. The starving Nobody. artist thing is real. Yeah, man. You know? I had to have that realization with my company. You know? Like, when my younger brother became a partner, he taught me so much. Like, he taught me where to focus on, right? He taught me like, and one thing about him is that like my he really um he really appreciates like my skills yeah but he like he knows me better than i know me kind of right he's like uh, he's like really insightful and like um he he's like man like you don't even realize that these people are leeching off you you mm. have so many people who deal with you because because like you're like an asset to them and they're just exploiting you and you don't even realize it and i have and i'm like how and it's just like like look at all the time you're spending on this thing because you you just want to make this beautiful thing but you don't realize like you have so much time into this that like you didn't bill out your time right? yeah so like of course this person is gonna keep coming to you or, or want you to do their stuff because like you're getting this crazy deal because you're not billing out accordingly how you should be. And I didn't realize that because I'm just, like, happy to be working on this really cool project, you know? Yeah. So then once I really started getting in a different mindset and looking at not only, like, the project but the numbers of what it is I'm doing, I'm like, um, I realized that there wasn't a big financial gain for me in doing the things that I love doing for other people. Now, for me, I'm like, you know, if I do it for myself or I do it for, like, you know, like the money that I'll make as like a YouTube or TikTok video, if there's like monetiz- monetization there, cool, right? But yeah. doing it for the public and everything like that, you know, it's like, well, you could just make this body shot run like a machine and the people are generally very appreciative of your efforts um, versus like on the other side of things, you know, like the restoration and, and customization tends to be more hiccups more changed plans more like hey i want you to do this thing and then oh wait no you know what i want to do this now it's like okay cool who's paying me for that month that i spent doing the first idea you had yeah you know yeah um so that kind of like uh when you mix the artistic side with business it's like man when like when i see these guys like kindig and these gas monkey garages when i see 
those guys, those shops. Um, I don't consume any like car content. I don't watch car content really outside of the shop, you know? Sure. But when I look at those guys that are operating, I'm not impressed by what they build, not to take anything away from them. Right. Sure. But for me, I'm impressed like, okay, cool. So you, you've been doing this and this is all you do. And you've had a shop for 15 years and you're wealthy. Hell, like that's what I'm impressed by. You got 10 guys that have worked for you all this time and like everyone's doing okay. That's impressive because I'm like, it's so hard to yeah. do it and make money. Um, and that's even coming from a place of like having the got to, having gotten to the point where like we were, and I say were, cause I'm like, I'm on pause right now just because like we have about three years worth of projects right now. So like, I'm just not taking anything else on project related. Right. Sure. Um, but I'm like, uh, it's, it's so difficult to do it and make money. Um, and that's even come a place from like doing it for like the upper echelon, you know what I mean? Like what I wanted to. Sure. And, uh, so I don't know, man, I just, the starving artist thing's super, super real. Well, I definitely think in our economy right now, and I, and I'm not going down a rabbit hole about politics or any of this bullshit or, or whoever, but I definitely think in the car world, uh, I mean, I'm on a much smaller scale of what you're doing. I'm not dealing with the upper echelon. I'm trying to get a regular Delco asshole to buy a crappy 93 Camaro. Get somebody a, to prioritize with a high, that. you know, with a high yeah. horsepower motor in it. I mean, I can't even find a kid that'll buy a five thousand dollar car. And and right now, I think just everybody's holding Strapped. on to their wallet yep. like a, you know. Yeah, and it's like uh, you remember you remember in the Grinch when he had like the bag of goodies and he's about to re-deliver it down to the town. Like we're we're at that point right now where it's like <laughs> about to hit the fan. You know? Yeah, like we're about to start going down the hill. Like uh, it's bad now, but it's I think it's going to get a lot worse. Yeah, but I don't think and, we've seen it yet. And that's why, like, uh, I mean, I guess. Like you, like John, John, you mentioned, you and I have discussed in, in great length about starting like a little business of your own. I think everybody at this point, the the most advice I can give to anybody is you should start some small side hustle of some kind. Yeah. Find something to do with your spare time. And even if it's just a little bit of spare time, listen, I'll tell you this, I'm such a weirdo that I'm trying to take this bookkeeping class so that I can do online bookkeeping. But it's also a twofold thing because I want to learn how to manage my wife and I's businesses better, you know? Right now we're paying a bookkeeper. I'm really good at math, oddly enough. I'm an artist guy, but I also have a very logical, disciplined, organized side of me that I'm trying to utilize and I'm trying to, uh, you know, like, I'm just trying to tap into that resource. The truth is, is I've been an employee my whole life and I have this urge in me to be self-employed, you know, and I'm, I'm honestly, I'm deathly afraid, you know, that's the honest truth. If I'm going to say anything right now is that like making the leap of leaving full-time employment, which, which it's a great job. I'm not talking bad about my employer. They take very good care of me. Uh, they've been great to me, but there's this, I grew up in this family where everybody was self-employed. My little brother is now self-employed. My dad has always been, and I want to I want to give it a shot, so I'm doing like you said I'm doing all this research I'm trying to stack the deck in my favor learn how to do bookkeeping learn how to do accounting, you know do the market research to whether this is a good business uh, to go into or not like 
you know, like you're already established, but like me building little crappy cars in my one car garage and then turning around and trying to sell them, I can't compete. There's just too many body shops in this area. There's too many car dealers. There's just too many guys that are already, I mean, Delaware County is like, it's congested. dude, there is a huge amount of car guys already here doing it. Plus most of us in Delco have the same mentality of build it ourselves. Like a lot of guys, whether they're a carpenter or they don't even have to work in the car world. A guy that buys a, a Chevelle or, you know, a, you know, Acker Integra or whatever car is your fancy, they typically want to build it themselves. So to convince some guy like, hey, man, well, listen, if you buy this car, I'll put the turbo kit on it for you. Most guys are like, nah, dude, I'll just keep that eight grand in my pocket. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's something about Delco that a lot of people don't, like, touch on is that... um once you find like good people around here like you get a solid network i mean you get really solid people you know what i mean like sure i haven't advertised in years dude and it's because people that like ride with me yeah are are like ride or die you know what i mean like they really have your back they really go out of their way you, dude you gotta go cj you know you gotta you gotta go there you know yeah and um once you if you have a reputation for being honest and trustworthy and like actually looking out for people, it really goes a long way around here. You know what I mean? It's like, there's a lot to be negative to be said about Delco, but there's some, there is some solid people, you know what I mean? So, so on the, like on my wife, my wife's business, she's a dog groomer. And I would say in the dog grooming world, my wife is a lot like your business model. Yeah. Her, her business model is very specific. She charges an hourly rate, and she gives you the absolute best. Your dog comes into the truck looking like crazy mess with, with hair mats and all this stuff and poop stuck to her butt. Yep. And when the dog comes back out the other end, the dog looks like it's ready to go to a show. And, and she's very... Like, like there's other girls in the area that are like uh, you're middle of the road, like, all right, I'll just take some buzzers and buzz the hair off. But my wife goes the extra mile of like... There's different techniques to, like, I guess do the haircut where they, like, pull some of the hair out a little bit. They, they call it uh, carding or whatever. And, yeah. and, you know, she's very meticulous. Very meticulous. So, so again, I absolutely agree with what you're saying because, dude, I was scared, man. When she first started, I kept thinking, all right, well, I'm going to have to co- cover the bills for a long time until she gets straightened out. And, dude, she jumped right in. And immediately hit the ground running. The phone just yeah. wouldn't stop, man. Yeah. It was just like now pe- it's like she she can't even like um, people on Facebook that are friends of mine that have never even met her. She's like, a waiting. Same list. thing, like you said. Same thing, like you said, dude. The word of mouth is so important, especially in in like Delco's a tight community. You can't go too far without running into like, oh yeah, well I know you through this person. Or, yeah. You know, like it's an association thing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's, you know, it's just kind of like, it's kind of mind-blowing, which, again, there's always that fear of mine, you know, like, I'm trying to look for some kind of uh, niche thing that I can do that doesn't interfere with, also, like, guys like you, like, dude, I respect what you do, I don't want to compete with you, man, I think you're amazing at what you do, like, like our, our uh, mutual friend, Bobby Kaufman, yeah. wants to retire, I want to be him, man, yeah. I want to build awesome motors and help guys tune motors I would love to do that. I would love to own a dyno. I don't necessarily want to own a body shop because I don't want to breathe in like sanding dust and shit. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to smell paint fumes every day, but mm-hmm. that's just my thing, yeah. you know? But like, 
I'm fascinated with building like high horsepower motors. Let's take this LS motor and put two giant turbos on it and make yeah. 1500 horsepower, you know? I don't even care what you put it in. I don't give a shit. Let's just <laughs> just want to build it. Yeah, yeah. you know. No, I mean, I'm I'm into that and I I agree with it too, you know. But I think uh with anything, you got to you got to look at what you want to do and you got to before you look at what you want to do, I think you got to look at where you want to end up. Yeah. Right? Because like, you know, like where you end up is going to be a result of what you do, right? So it's just like if you love this thing that you're doing, but it's you know what I mean? Like you want to be Bob Kaufman, but like you want to be Bob Kaufman, <laughs> right? Um, because like, you know, like Bob's awesome and everything like that. But I think if you talk to him, he would probably tell you he's got some things he would do have done differently. Sure. Um, well, I think, I think ultimately that is the, the, when you, when you come up with an idea of like something you want to do, I think the immediate question should be exactly what you said. What is the end game here? What are you trying to really achieve? It's not the business. Yeah. It's not the business. So I read, I read a lot of books and I listen to a lot of uh, seminars about successful people and different things that they do. The one thing that I recently heard, which I realized, oh, holy shit, they're directly talking about me, is the one guy said, look at all these people on the Forbes list. Look at them. Look at the word next to their name. This is the industry that they work in because they focus only on one thing. Now, they may have investments in, in other things to kind of like spread the eggs out a little bit, but ultimately, they're really good at one thing. Now, I will say that about you, and you may not admit it, but you had an arrow and you shot it in one direction and you worked really hard to make it very good. Yeah. You have a product that that stands by itself you don't even have to advertise because people know right i'm gonna take my car over there i have this classic car it has to be done right we're not going down the street to some shithead that's going to just fucking half-ass overspray the windshields right like we need it done right you know and well, and honestly i've i've put your name out there a few times i don't know but i now knowing that you do more high-end stuff i would have to like Recalibrate. I'm not gonna send some kid with a fucking high end day Elantra to you because maybe that's not what you're interested in doing. Well, there's know? different halves, of, like you know, different sides of what we're doing, and um, like the collision repair side of things uh, is what I'm really focused on right now. And for that, like we do any, like it doesn't matter what it is, you know. What I mean, any collision repair, like you'll come one day and there'll be a Ferrari next to a 15 year old Honda Civic. It doesn't matter. Yeah, know? we're not too good to work on anything. Sure. Okay. Um, and one thing I will say is that there's a newer shop that just popped up that has like the same name and the same font that we have. And I think they're in Westchester. Really? It's like AMS Motorsports or something. And dude, like I got 20 year old t-shirts with the logo on it. Right. It's like identical. You better file cease and desist, brother. Well, so the name of mine is Auto Moto Specialist, like car and motorcycle specialist. Um, which when I started that, I'm like, it's really simple. I do a lot of bikes, a lot of cars, car and motorcycle specialists. Very simple, right? Yeah. Um, but we've over the years we've gone by AMS because it's just easy. So now this new shop is AMS, and it's like, uh, <laughs> I I don't know if it's gonna cause any confusion, but when we were at that show last week, I saw the dude with the shirt on, and I was like, oh, here we go. You know, I don't care in any type of way because like. At this point, you know, we don't really, I'm not going to say we don't have competition, but it's not competition I'm concerned with. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, I'm sure that 
us and that shop are pursuing very different paths in the industry so it's not no hate on them or nothing i'm just like oh man this might be a little confusing for some people you know did anybody say anything did you talk to the guy nah no no i'm not really one to start conversations yeah you know so like you just wait until they walk into your shop uh well i'm not (laughs) i'm not really good at small talk yeah um i don't have a lot in common with most people i'm a weirdo man and like i own it like i am very uh much in my own world and like i've gotten very comfortable being uncomfortable right like i acknowledge like i don't have a lot in common with most people just because like i'm kind of in outer space most of the time um i think we all are we just some of us i would i would peg you as if i were to describe you i would say you're a little more introverted yeah like i'm the opposite i clearly just walked into your shop and was like all right let's see what fucking happens here right you know and i can see now that you're definitely the kind of guy that's like so when i invited you onto this show i i clearly kind of just thought like he says yes but most people do most people say yes and they just never show up you yeah. know or and, they come down here and they freeze up yeah where they well off. he's yeah. pretty well spoken this is great you know? and I, like, i'll be honest with you and i mean i'll put this right on this might be my favorite episode yet really yeah but he says that for every episode no no <laughs> this is this has been awesome this has been awesome yeah, yeah. and we ran over we're we're, we're uh, uh, you were an, an awesome and a half, guest you know awesome guest oh, thanks yeah. man oh. i think it's uh you know like we i do kind of want to wrap up because i actually have like a, a phone conference thing i have to do at 10 30 but i do want to like say that you know the kind of person you are i don't think you're a weirdo i think that you're comfortable in your own skin well, you're cerebral, you know, mm-hmm. like in my opinion, I look at a guy that that is constantly assessing the like uh, everything around you and you're you're, uh, you know, like you're methodical and you're trying to make decisions whether or not this is good or bad for you. And, it and seems I like think, you're pretty confident with what direction you go in. So, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised because I saw you at that second car show in uh, uh, Brookhaven, I think it was. And like you and your brother both sat there and chummed it up with me and. Dude, I know. I know what I am. I know that I'm a, a little loud, and sometimes I bump into people sometimes, and they're just like, mm, you're too much for me, man. And they'll turn around and walk away, and I just kind of laugh, <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, well, you know, I'm not your cup of tea, man. I'm not going to stop being me. I like rotten sense of humors and, and uh, George Carlin jokes and, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. I grew up in a body shop where Howard Stern played on the radio all day when I was a 10-year-old kid, and that's where my brain you know dirty sex jokes and all kinds of crazy stuff that's and, cool man you know being too much is better than being not enough right yeah well so like but also you know what's great about you so like like the image that you've created on instagram like with the sunglasses and like just uh the cool cars some of the content you create i think and john will agree with me on this one artists because you are an artist i'm going to peg you as an artist at this point Artists have a particular style. Every every artist has a particular style. John draws a very particular kind of way, and I, and I do my thing a certain kind of way. And what's neat about you is you are creating this image. This is what J Lines is. You know, this is what I do. This is what I like. You are a little avant garde. You, you know, sometimes you have like like the sunglasses. I kind of like busted your chops a little bit, and you mm-hmm. laughed it off. You were cool about it. You were like, Nah, man, I just really like them. Because you know? I know it's weird yeah right i know like you typically you'd see like a 60 year old black guy wearing it right <laughs> and like i own that you know what i mean it's like, awesome I, I know, like 
uh, like it's I know it's funny, but I'm dead serious. Yeah. Right. But that's also why it looks great on you, man. Like in my opinion, the the actual image that you're creating, you have a style, you have a thing, and I think that's what a lot of people like about you. And and even more, the people that gravitate towards you is because they know you're not a bullshit artist. They know that you have morals. The way you you display that that you're a family guy and your your concerns, you know, like. I don't know, man. I haven't known you very long, even though we've ran in similar circles. But, dude, you got my respect, man. Thanks, man. Likewise. All I got to do is just remember your first name correctly now. So <laughs> <laughs> That was funny, right? Yeah, this was a great episode, man. I really yeah. appreciate you well, coming I'm glad you guys uh, are doing this, and I, I love the podcast. Yeah. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, Come back sometime. We'll talk about music or something. All right. Do yeah. you want to plug your social media at all or no? Uh, I just go by I'm Jay Lyons for everything. Yeah. That's J A Y L Y O N S. I am not no A. Yeah. I'm Jay Lyons. YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, mostly on Facebook. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Good yep. stuff. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You guys want to hear some music? Let's dig it. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance Manchild. Renaissance Manchild is a Yardbird Tuna production. If you enjoyed the show please like follow and share any ideas or suggestions feel free to reach out to us on facebook or instagram oh shit mm-hmm. <laughs> you talk good